0: But before we get there, you know, when I was a child, uh, there, there's some, uh, one of the toys that I remember having was this doll called My Buddy. Do you remember this? Play school put this toy out. It was really, really popular back in the early 80s. Uh, it was this, uh, you know, this boy that had this red hat and blue overalls and it had a really catchy theme song. You know, my buddy, my buddy, and me. And uh, the girls had their own version. It was a kid sister. And I don't remember why I remember that so well, so vividly. But I guess it was, you know, because it was my buddy, right? Everywhere I went, he went, as the commercial went. Well, there's really, there's some different theories as to where that term buddy comes from. Uh, it, uh, some believe simply, you know, it's an easier way for a child to say brother. You know, just like a, a little child... Not necessarily can say sister, so they say sissy. And so a little boy might say to his brother, buddy. Uh, in, the ni- in the 18th century, it was believed it was some sort of a coal mining uh, companion type of uh, term. Or even back into the 15th century, you can trace that word back to somebody who you might share a, a treasure or a loot with. A buddy. And you can see kind of the closeness associated in that word. But today, if we were to look up the word buddy in the dictionary, we'd simply find... A close friend or a casual acquaintance, right? Some of us have fishing buddies or hunting buddies or maybe you women have scrapbooking buddies, you know, uh, or as a high schooler, you might say, I'm going to go hang out with my buddy tonight, right? It's someone that you share a more personal relationship with, but maybe not necessarily they're your best friend, but, you know, they're your buddy. Uh, They're someone you like to hang out with, someone you like to goof around with. You're comfortable around them. There's, again, that casual relationship. But there are limitations to it. You know, I tried that out this week. I walked into the kitchen and I said, hey, buddy, to my wife, and I got a stare back. You know, uh, it wasn't necessarily something you might want to refer to your wife as your buddy. There are limitations to that. Well, what about God? Would you refer to God as your buddy? You know, we we see those today in today's world uh, who do that. Uh, I'm thinking about a country singer by the name of Miranda Lambert. You might be familiar with her, but she put out a song a little while ago called Heart Like Mine. And if you remember the lyrics to this song or this particular part, uh, she she recites, because I heard Jesus, he drank wine, and I bet we'd get along just fine. He could calm a storm and heal the blind, and I bet he'd understand a heart like mine. Do you understand what she was sort of saying in those uh, lyrics? That her and Jesus have a buddy-buddy relationship. They they could sit down uh, and have a drink or two and just talk some things out like that, you know, one on one. And unfortunately, the same sentiment is shared by a lot of religious folk today. And so what I want us to do this morning is we're going to look at an account in Second Chronicles, chapter 26, about a king of Judah who it appears he started to uh, maybe move towards referring to God as his buddy, And we're going to notice what happened as a result of it as well. And we might ask ourselves this morning as well, do we treat God as if he's our buddy? So again, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 26, just to give you a quick background uh, of this passage here. uh, Chronicles is not a book that you and I go to a lot to study. Now, there are some reasons why. Uh, The first one is if you get the first Chronicles chapter one for the next few chapters, you're going to be reading genealogy after genealogy. Uh, starting from Adam and going through all the tribes of of the the 12 patriarchs. And to some people, that might be a little bit tough of a read. And so uh, some people don't like to read through the book of Chronicles. Uh, Another reason is because this is set during the time of the divided kingdom. You have the 10 tribes to the north, the northern tribes, the tribes of Israel. You have the two tribes of Judah uh, in the south. And because of that, you've got two sets of kings going on constantly. You're reading about the kings in the north, and you're reading about the kings in the south. Just kind of a a side note, one of the things that I do in my Bible when I get to those places is I color code them. I color code the northern kings blue. I I color code the southern kings orange so that when I'm reading through the book of Kings or Chronicles, I know that, okay, I'm talking about a southern king here or I'm talking about one of the northern kings. And so some people don't necessarily like to read uh, this part of Israel's history because of all the different kings that are there but another reason is because the chronicles first and second chronicles is much like first and second kings you know you might get to the book of chronicles and say haven't i read this before you know didn't i just read that a couple of books back well you probably have but here's the is you've got a different author and you've got a different audience being addressed the book of chronicles we believe was written by ezra the priest Uh, sometime after the exile, while the Kings was written, we believe, by Jeremiah, sometime right about the exile. And so you've got two different audiences being addressed. You've got two different writers. Uh, The book of Chronicles is focused primarily on the southern kingdoms of Judah, not both of them, which Kings does. Uh, But you've got some same information going back and forth between the two. You've got some new information and you've got some things that maybe aren't in Chronicles that you would find in Kings. Well, let's begin as we uh, start in verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 26, and let's see our introduction to this king of Judah. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Okay, so we are introduced to Ziah here again, uh, the divided kingdoms. You've got the, the, the 10 northern tribes to the north. We often refer to them as Israel. All of the kings of this nation were evil. Every single one of them that we read about. But the tribes uh, in the south, those two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, as we refer to as the kings of Judah, their kings were mixed. Sometimes they were good kings. Sometimes they were bad kings. Uzziah's account in 2 Kings chapter 15 is pretty limited. And so that's why we're going to study the the account in Chronicles this morning. There's only seven verses uh, to uh, Uzziah's life, while Chronicles is going to give us 26 and uh, some notable differences is that uh, he's referred to as a different name in Second Kings, and that's okay. You know, sometimes people use their given name, and sometimes they use their, the, the name that they were given on the throne. But we see this king, Uzziah, began his reign at the age of 16, right? That's pretty young, but not necessarily in this time period, but he's going to reign for 52 years, 52 years, that's quite an accomplishment uh, during this time when you compare them to some of the other kings during this time. But like his father Amaziah, we're told that he's one of those few good kings. He continued to seek God. And the Bible says as long as he did that, as long as he continued to seek God, God would prosper him in this life. And so let's notice as we read the next few verses how much Uzziah was blessed. As king of Judah. Verse 6 Now he went out and warred against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbaal and the Muonites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah, and his fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress, and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness, and hewed many cisterns, and he had much livestock, both in the low land and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster prepared by Jael the scribe and Maseah the official under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. The total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. All right. So through that reading, we notice how blessed Uzziah was. Uh, the enemies of the Israelites, the, like the, the Philistines, the Ammonites, they were no problem for Uzziah. You know, they, they basically bowed down to them. They were paying tribute to him. We see that his territory was fortified by these great towers. Verse 10 tells us how, and I love this verse, that says how he loved the soil. And we notice the soil loved him as well because he was prosperous, much livestock, luscious vineyards. But also he was a successful military man. Valiant warriors, an elite army. He had the best equipment possible, we're told. And his fame spread afar, and he became strong militarily. We see that militarily, economically. He was blessed. He had this great infrastructure during his time, well-respected and feared among, even among his enemies. Sounds pretty good so far, right? Uh, the, you might say, I wish I had this guy leading my nation. And some scholars even say that during Uzziah's administration, It was at the highest point of the history of the kingdom of Judah since the days of Solomon. You know, we know how blessed and how great Solomon's kingdom was. And here's Uzziah, who's almost uh, reaching that potential. But now, as of Uzziah, his life wasn't always uh, shown in a perfect way. Again, if we were to go into 2 Kings chapter 15 and notice in verse 4, uh, we'll notice that uh, it seems as if he may have tolerated idolatry in the land. Uh, we're told he didn't uh, take down the, the high places and those, the idolatry that was going on. Uh, not that he was uh, worshiping idols, but it just seems a little bit that he was tolerating that. But like many a men in these circumstances, we see after a life of success, it appears that Uzziah became arrogant and proud towards the end of his reign. And his biggest mistake that I'm going to propose to us this morning is that he got to the point where he started to assume that God was his buddy, that he was having a casual relationship with him, a 50 year relationship with the Lord. And God was blessing him all that way. But now we're going to notice here in the next few verses that all of that was trumped uh, because of his obedience to him. So let's examine the downfall of Uzziah and hopefully come to a better uh, understanding this morning of a proper relationship with the Lord. And so the first thing I want us to notice as we look at the next few verses is Uzziah's lawlessness, verses 16 through 18. It's recorded. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on an altar of incense. Then Azariah the priest entered after him and with him 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. You remember that verse we just read in verse 15 that said, uh, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. You know, that's sort of the, the, that verse, the hinge verse, because now all the things that we're going to read about, all of those great blessings Uzziah had is now going to turn for the worse. See, Uzziah is from the tribe of Judah. Uh, remember, he's from the tribe of Judah, which means the lineage of Jesus is going to come through Uzziah. But in his arrogance, he attempts what we read there was to burn incense in the house of the Lord, in the temple. Well, what's the big deal? Right? He's the king. What's the big deal about him going in and you know, what we might think of lighting a candle? What's the big deal about that? Well, in the, the, uh, the law of Moses, it was recorded that only the priests, only the tribe of Levi were authorized to do that, according to Exodus chapter 30, verse 7 and 8. Also, uh, notice this. This is a little bit uh, implied in the, here. It's not directly stated. But where they were was in the holy place of the temple. Because that's where the altar of incense is. That's where the altar of incense is located. And so we know that Uzziah, King Uzziah is in the holy place. And again, only priests, only Levites were allowed in the holy place inside the temple. And so Azariah, the priest, along with 80 other priests, they courageously confront King Uzziah and condemn the king for this disobedient act. Again, this was the job for the Levites. This was the job for priests, for the sons of Aaron. But they alone, they alone had been set apart for this duty, consecrated for this duty. And again, we see that perception of Uzziah that... He's got sort of a buddy-buddy relationship with God, right? He, he's been doing this for 50 years of being blessed by God. God's not going to, uh, you know, pick a fight with him or be upset with him if he wants to go into the temple and just go ahead and, and offer some incense. He's the king after all. But how did the Bible record his actions that we read there? We read that he had a proud heart, that he acted corruptly, that he was unfaithful, and that he would have no honor. Can you and I... Be arrogant in our Christian walks as well. You know, we think, ah, uh, you know, God's not going to uh, do anything. Uh, this is no big deal. You know, he and I are buddies. Right? I've been serving him for 20, 30 years. You know, maybe it's that sin in our lives that we just can't get rid of and that we don't want to give up. And we just continually tell ourselves, you know, God's not going to do anything about it. Uh, he's been OK with it through uh, these uh, 20 years or so. And maybe he's still OK with it. He hasn't punished me yet. And in our, inner, in our arrogance, we think, "Do you know who I am? Do you know Clashus, excuse me. Do you know Cassius Clay, uh, better known as Muhammad Ali? Uh, he's one of the greatest boxers ever, but if you knew anything about him, he wasn't one of the most humblest of athletes, and I guess that's the way it is when your nickname is the greatest. Right, but uh, he went fifty-six and five overall, uh, thirty-seven KOs. Uh, a lot of his—he well, was actually born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and so a lot of his early matches took place at Freedom Hall. And before his first loss, he was thirty-one and zero. Right, thirty-one and zero before he had his first loss to Joe Frazier. He began his career at eighteen, and he didn't lose until he was twenty-nine years of age. And I'm sure when he suffered that first loss, you know, uh, he. Probably took it pretty hard. You know, he probably felt invincible up to that time uh, of never losing. And that let it get to his pride. Well, there's a, a, um, a story about how uh, he was on an airplane one time and he was headed towards uh, one of his fights. And the, the airplane pilot uh, told Muhammad Ali, said, uh, reminded him that he needed to fasten his seatbelt. And Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Well, she quickly equipped back at him, Well, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 18, that was just read for us here Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Again, think of Uzziah, reigning 52 years in Judah, and many of those years that he was blessed. A 50 plus relationship here with the lord but apparently at this point in his life rules no longer applied with him do you remember what solomon wrote at the end of ecclesiastes you know this great book where uh, he's telling us about all of the things that he did in life to try to find purpose and by the end of the book he gives us his conclusion you know fear god and keep his commandments because that applies to every person and we need to remember that as we continue on in the life of Uzziah. Let's look at the next few verses, verses 19 through 20. It's recorded, But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the altar of incense. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. See, Uzziah was furious. He was unrepentant that uh, he wasn't going to be able to do this here in the temple. And, it, and because of that, God struck Uzziah, King Uzziah, with leprosy. You know, he didn't back down, not even against those 80 priests. Uh, he had his censer in his hand, and he wasn't going to put it down. However, again, God struck him with leprosy. <clears throat> You know, you and I are somewhat familiar with that. That was such a dreaded disease in Bible times an infectious disease. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible uh, gives us uh, Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14 uh, committed just to, you know, that alone, telling us all the rules and directions that one needed to go through if they had that infectious disease. And uh, notice uh, just a couple of verses, uh, Leviticus 13, starting in verse 44, says, uh, He is a leprous man. He is unclean. Uh, the priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is on his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean. Uh, he shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You know, if a man had leprosy or a woman had leprosy uh, during this time, they were placed outside the camp of Israel. And if somebody got too close to them, you know, they would cover their mouths and they were told to say unclean, unclean, referring to themselves. You know, that was the way that God was instructing them to, you know, basically to block the germs from uh, spewing. But again, they were to be quarantined outside of the camp. It was a grave detriment to anyone's social status. Right? Because nobody's going to come around you anymore uh, if you have leprosy. Well, again, why would God punish such a man, a king of his people, like this? Do you remember Moses in Numbers chapter 20? You know We know that God shows no partiality when it comes to sin. Um, you remember this great story in Numbers chapter 20 where Moses strikes the rock uh, a couple of times uh, with his rod. And, and because of that, he's no longer able to enter into the promised land. Again, we're talking about Moses here, the great deliverer out of Egyptian bondage. Moses, the great lawgiver. Right? They named a law after this guy, the law of Moses. You know, there's no law of Abraham or law of uh, uh, Jeremiah, but it's the law of Moses. That's how great of a man Moses was. Moses, we're told, was the humblest man on earth. But because he struck this rock a couple of times, twice, matter of fact, God's not going to let him enter into the promised land. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12 it says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in sight of the in sight of the sons of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Now, as to, uh, you know, as to why this happened, uh, there are a couple of different ideas. Uh, He was told to speak to the rock here in Numbers chapter 20, uh, but he doesn't speak to it. He strikes it a couple of times. Uh, He strikes it twice when previously he was told to strike it once back in Exodus chapter 17. But we also see that he doesn't give God the glory as well. You know, we, we see the pronouns we as he's referring to him and Aaron. Him and Aaron provided them with water, not them or not God. And because of these things, God kept Moses from entering into the promised land. But all he did was strike the rock twice. right? All he did was strike the rock twice. That doesn't matter. See, God shows no partiality when it comes to obedience. It doesn't matter if it was Moses or King Uzziah. It doesn't matter if it's you or me. Right? God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't have one set of rules for some people and another set of rules for others. But that, you know, you and I can be truly grateful for that. We are each responsible for our own actions. And again, we see that here with King Isaiah. And let's finally, let's notice one more point uh, in this chapter as we uh, conclude it. Verses 21 through 23 of 2 Chronicles. As we read the final few verses here, starting in verse 21, it says, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now, the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amoz, has written. So Uzziah slept with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave, which belonged to the kings. For they said he is a leper and Jotham, his son, became king in his place. See, because of this arrogance, because of this pride of Uzziah, he is now forced to live his remaining uh, year or so uh, in isolation until his death. And what a chilling, chilling statement we read there in verse 21, that he was cut off from the house of the Lord. You know, even at his burial, it simply says that we remember him as a leper. Matter of fact, uh, he wasn't even buried in the tombs of his fathers, but just simply out in the field of the kings. Do you see where pride got this man? His casual relationship with God? That reminds me of one of the most loneliest verses I can think of uh, that we read about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I have that up here on the board as well. But 2 Thessalonians, I want to start reading to you uh, in verse 6 of chapter 1. Notice what Paul here records. He's talking about the day of judgment. He's talking about the return of Jesus. He says, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, I just can't imagine a more lonelier scene than on the day of judgment for those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You know, not even Uzziah's last day will be that lonely. But again, Uzziah was cut off and isolated from his kingdom. And the New Testament teaches those who are eternally lost... We'll be, we'll be isolated from God for eternity. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, that, that hell was a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. An eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for you and I. But if we do not obey the, the Lord, if we do not know him, as Paul again says here in second, second Thessalonians chapter 1, if we do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, that's what's going to happen to those eternally cut off. Again, we don't know the ultimate end of King Uzziah here at the end of 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 26. Only God knows. Did he continue in his arrogance and, and his defiant ways or did he repent and change? We don't know. Only God knows and that's sufficient for us. Right? God always does right. But we need to be reminded of what it means to be isolated from God for eternity, to be cut off from the house of the Lord. You know, For Uzziah, 50 years of seeking God and yet was cut off towards the end, physically. Well, what about spiritually? Again, let Uzziah be a warning to all of us that we could see that separation from God one day as well. Well, Uzziah was a good king. He made one big mistake towards the end of his life. Really, that's what we remember him for. He went from seeking God to seeking himself. And although he had that 50-year relationship with God, that didn't stop the Lord from punishing Him with leprosy. And I hope this lesson will remind us this morning that we ought all always to revere the Lord, you know, treating Him with reverential fear. You know this is not a book about God, but is a book from God. Right? He wants us to read it, to understand it, to know it. Do you talk to him daily? Do you love him? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We cannot get casual and complacent and lazy in our relationship with him. God is not our buddy. And as as Azariah the priest told Uzziah, it is not for you, Uzziah. He may say to us, you and I, one day about something, that's not for you, Michael. That's not for you. And may we love and respect God enough that when he says that, it's not for you to humbly respect and trust him and obey, right? Because pride will do nothing but cut us off from his presence. And so this morning, I hope this lesson from King Uzziah will help us as we continue on serving him uh, throughout these days. This morning, as we offer the invitation, as we always do, if anyone here this morning is ready to become a Christian, The Bible tells us we need to hear God's word, believe it, that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sins, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. At that point, the Lord will wash away our sins, add us to the church, and from that point forward, we're we're told that we need to live a faithful life for Him. This morning, if you're ready to put Christ on in baptism, we would love the opportunity to help you in that way. Or this morning, if you need the prayers of this congregation, you need the encouragement of this congregation, or or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. If there's any need that you need uh, to be made uh, this morning, please let us know as together we stand and sing.